What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 81, and we're getting there, everybody. We're one day closer to opening day in baseball, one day closer to the NFL draft, one day closer to the NBA playoffs. It's great. Let's go, dude. It's a good time go. of year. Yeah. Uh, it'll be next episode when we have our full in-depth MLB preview of the season as we get ready for that on April 7th. Uh, but today, as far as it goes, we're going to rank top 10 corners as we continue to do our NFL rankings uh, throughout all the different positions. We're going to talk about Tyree Kill, uh, what that means for the Dolphins, and also the Chiefs. And then we're going to talk about a bit of baseball of who has the best in each, I want to say, position group. But in each grouping, as far as starters, bullpen, infield, outfield, total pitching, and total hitting. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to get into a little NBA before we get on out of here. So nothing too crazy, but it should be a fun and uh, solid episode. For sure. Let's go ahead and get right into it, though, with the opener. And my opener is going to be about Stephen Vogt and Jed Lowry returning to the A's. Two vets that will vote the vote kind of got his career started in Oakland. Uh, Jed got his career started in Boston, but is probably most known for it uh, with his time with the A's. Uh, and two vets returning to a, a squad uh, that is full of youngsters at this point. It's pretty cool to see. I know they might not be the best players, but those names are, are, are names that A's fans are fond of, for sure. Oh, yeah. And my opener is also A's baseball. I'll go with those youngsters playing in Arizona. We finally get to see guys like Nick Allen, Tyler Soderstrom, Christian Pache, who we just got in the trade. Uh, It's interesting. You know, we're not playing very well, but I like to find good things here. And the A's have a season like this, maybe once every five years. And we usually find a way to, uh, to find good. Yeah. That's what we're trying to do by watching these youngsters in Arizona. We can usually be competitive and we're always going to have some bright spots, whatever it may mm. be, whether it be prospects or the whatever else it could possibly be. So there's that for our openers. And then Immaculate Sports Player of the Week, we decided to go to March Madness uh, and look at Armando Baycott forward for the North Carolina Tar Heels, who are in the final four, setting up for their big matchup against Duke and what could be Coach K's last game. Uh But in those two games that Baycott played this past week, 14 and 15 against UCLA, and then St. Peter's, he put up 20 and 22 rebounds. It's a great day for the Northern Carolina forward. Putting his name out there for all the NBA scouts at at the uh, March Madness games. Yeah, so we went with Armando for the Magnet Sports Player of the Week, second straight week with a college basketball player being named onto the list. Let's go ahead and get the team reports now. I know the Jets signed a few people this past week. Uh, tell me tell me what they did, man. Well, they signed uh, Solomon Thomas, former defensive lineman, drafted third overall by the Niners, played uh, pretty good in a third down role, mostly, for the Raiders last year, if I am correct. He was early downs. So opposite. All right. Yeah. Anyways, uh, a big goal for for us this season was to get some cheaper guys who were former first rounders who have experience. And this guy has played with Sala before. So we like that. I'm trying to think of others. For what? For the Jets. Oh. Do we have any more? Eddie Pinheiro. Oh, yeah. So, okay. So we got Greg Zerline. Kicker from uh, from Dallas is coming in to compete with Eddie Pinero for the kicker job. And then the one last part about about the Jets report here is Robert Sala said today uh, him and Joe Douglas are going to be knuckle fighting for if they're taking a D lineman or an offensive lineman, a big number four. So that's good to hear. There's no uh, defensive back tomfoolery going on at the top. Or is there or is there? No, <laughs> you don't know until not. it happens, man. You don't know. Absolutely not. Could just be a diversion. And that's a jet report. For the Raiders, uh, we signed a couple good vets. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, Deron Harmon and Jayon Brown, two solid vets. Uh, and a lot of people like the Jayon Brown signing because he, he was pretty good for Tennessee. He's just been hurt the last few years, and and he fits pretty well within our system. 
I love what Patrick Graham's trying to run. Uh, we re-signed offensive lineman Jermaine Illuminor. Just a depth oh. signing. He he started a few games for us last year. Actually, quite a few games for us, I'm pretty sure. And he, he was all right, so I, I'm okay with that. Uh, and then besides that, it's just been rumors and a whole bunch of people trying to lure Ty- Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, to Las Vegas. We saw Max Crosby make a tweet about it. We saw Devontae Adams, Chandler Jones like things. Damian Lillard's trying to do his Raider uh, uh, scouting or whatever you want to call it for for the team as he does every single Legal year. Legal tampering. So hopefully, hopefully the Honey Badger can be a Raider somewhat soon because adding a guy like him or Stephon Gilmore, or James Bradbury, whoever it may be, could could really take the defense to the next step where they're not just some bottom feeder type defense and into just an average spot. If average, it's all I need. Because offense is going to pull their weight, that's for sure. There you go. Let's go ahead and get to our favorite 81. Uh, Skyler, what do you got? Uh, I have a, a feeling I know what you're going with, and I'm going to go with a similar pick here. I'm going to go with Terrell Owens, Hall of Fame wide receiver, one of the greatest ever. I didn't get to watch him that much. Uh, got to see him at the end there with, like, Cincinnati uh, so that and Buffalo. Uh but yeah, great guy, very charismatic, paved the way for receiver divas like Odell. I'm going to go ahead and talk about something that happened on January 22nd, 2006, when the Mamba dropped 81 uh, for my favorite number 81 ever. Uh, 42 minutes this. in this game for Kobe Bryant in their 122 to 104 win over the Raptors. Kobe took 46 shots, made 28 of them. 7 of 13 from 3, 18 of 20 from the line, and yet 81 points. I thought you were going Tim Brown for sure. That's a good one, (laughs) but I feel like anytime I think of 81, I'm always thinking of Kobe. All right. Also, probably because Tim Brown is a little bit before my time Uh when it comes to that stuff. Let's go ahead and get to the spotlight, a new segment that we added last week where we just kind of look at something that we probably wouldn't even be talking about on the show uh, and shed some light on it, obviously. So what what do you got for the spotlight this week, Skylar? I'm going to go with USA soccer. All right. In the qualifiers for the World Cup, they beat Panama 5-1, to and this pretty much locks them in for a spot in the World Cup, and they haven't uh, been there in a while. I'm not a huge follower of soccer, but I understand the importance from most of my friends telling me how important it is. And uh, this, I do understand team USA, very likely going to the world cup. It's good to see you, man. hundred percent for my spotlight. I'm going to talk about the Western conference play in tournament that is going to happen here in a few weeks or so. And the teams that are in it or may not be in it. Uh, so first off, Probably the Timberwolves are going to be the seventh spot. Uh, Clippers are probably going to be the eighth spot. But those aren't really the teams that I was talking about. I want to talk about the Pelicans, the Lakers, and the Spurs. Pelicans hold the ninth spot right now. Uh, for reference, 29 games back of where the Suns are at the number one spot. Lakers are in 10th, 29 and a half games back of where the Suns are. And then the Spurs are in 11th, so just that first team out uh, with 30 games back. Uh, and the Lakers just a few days ago, I think maybe it was even last night where they choked a 23 point lead against the Pelicans to fall to that 10th spot there. And this is where it gets interesting with the Spurs because the Lakers right now are, are losing to the Mavs by about 20 points. Uh, so if they lose tonight, that get them to that 30, uh, games back spot and their rest of the schedule is really, really tough. I'll go ahead and go over these last, uh, Seven games after tonight with you. They got Utah, tough squad to play. New Orleans, obviously they just lost to New Orleans. It's a winnable game, though. Denver, Phoenix, Golden State, tough three-game stretch there. Then they play OKC. They have to win that one. And then Denver to end the season off on April 10th. And then when we look at the Spurs, let me pull up their schedule here real quick. They have a very interesting spot because they – have back-to-back games against the Portland Trailblazers. Wow. Those are two pretty much automatic wins. If you don't win those games, then that's... You don't deserve it. (laughs) Uh, But besides that, they have a game against Memphis. They have a game against Denver. 
game against Minnesota, a game against Golden State, and a game against Dallas. So if you win those two against Portland and you take one or two out of, out of those other five games, I think it's there's a really good chance we don't see the Lakers in the play-in, and that would be something crazy to see mm-hmm. for sure. That's my spotlight. Very nice. That's all I got. Let's go ahead and get to where's your head at now. Uh, top 10 corners. Top 10 corners. Do you have any honorable mentions? Uh, maybe those guys in the 11 or 12 spot, they just didn't know where to put them. Uh, you, you got anybody? Yeah, I think Trayvon Diggs falls in that category for me. Uh, I also have Xavier Howard, Patrick Sertain, Rasul Butler. Uh, their respective either haven't done it for a while because they're either young or because they're just starting their prime. Who knows? But those guys just missed for me. Yeah, uh, right on the outside, Xavier Howard, Casey Hayward, and Amani Awarie, the cornerback mm-hmm. for Alliance, who had a really underrated season. I think he had yeah. like five or six picks, and uh, it's a pretty good lockdown corner as well. Uh, one of the few bright spots for Detroit in this past year. Uh, but that's all I really got for the honorable mentions. Let's go ahead and get to number 10. All right. Number 10 for me, is going to be Carlton Davis got hurt this year. Uh, didn't play that much, but I think he should be back doing just fine for Tampa Bay with Tommy boy coming back. I had to put Trayvon Diggs at number 10. I think I know he allowed a ton of yards, but man, he had 11 interceptions. And I think that can't just be something that we just gloss over, regardless of how many yards he allowed. When you create 11 possessions for your team and, I mean, also score two touchdowns. That's a pretty big deal. So I went with Trayvon at number 10. All right. Go ahead and get to number nine. Number nine, I'm going to go with Kendall Fuller from Washington. This guy just flat out plays blanket coverage for those guys. Yeah, I think this, like these lower spots, and honestly, throughout this whole corner spot, we're going to see some names, or me and Skyler are going to say some names that we don't have on each other's list. Fuller did not make my list, and I went with James Bradbury the number ninth corner. He's been one of the best lockdown corners in the in the game the last few years, seven inter- interceptions over the last two years. And since he got to the giants and Patrick Graham's defense, he's been really, really good. And hopefully we can trade a fourth round pick for him. All right. <laughs> On to number eight. Yeah. Number eight, I'm going to go with Stefan Gilmore. Another guy who was hurt last year, but when healthy is, uh, you know, just like Bradbury, absolutely locked down in man coverage. And he still doesn't have a home. Should be interesting to see if uh, he can come back healthy with that team. Yeah. Gilmore, I left off of my list. I don't think he was good enough last year to warrant a top 10 spot. Maybe a guy I should have mentioned in my honorable mentions. Another guy that I hope does go to the Raiders, uh, mm-hmm. either or. Uh, but number eight, I went with Denzel Ward, uh, one of the younger corners in the game. And he's been really, really good. Uh, obviously, it's turned into quite a big name in football nowadays. Uh, and so I got him at number eight on to number seven. All right. Number seven is where I have James Bradbury. Um, last year was a little off of uh, the year before where he was completely shut down. But I don't care. I think it uh, left that much of a mark on me. And he mm-hmm. stays at number seven here. Yeah. For number seven, for me, I went ahead and put Darius Slay, big Big play Slay, I think, is his nickname. And he he had some big plays last year. He had a touchdown on a fumble recovery. Uh, and then, oh, he had two fumble recoveries for touchdowns. Then he also had a pick six. Uh, I mean, three touchdowns as a corner is pretty damn good. And he's also, he's fun to watch. So that's why I went with big play Slay at number seven. On to number six. Number six, I have Marlon Humphrey, another guy who missed a lot of the year. But when healthy is a turnover machine. I went with Tredavious White at my number six spot. Also got hurt last year, just like Marlon Humphrey. Mm. Uh, but I don't really think I need to have a lot of explanation when it comes to this. Trey White's a super. That's fair. Number five. On to number five, yeah. I'm going to go with Jalen Ramsey. I don't consider him at the top here. Uh, I know he's a lot of talk. He's in the news. He gets paid a lot of money. But I just don't see it. He didn't play very well in the playoffs. Maybe that's not entirely his fault. Uh, maybe it's just these other guys I think have surpassed him, surpassed his skill level. Uh, so I guess you can ask me your questions when we get to those other guys if you have any questions about that. 
it's pretty crazy. I put Ramsey at a lot higher spot than than number five. Uh, I went with Marlon Humphrey at number five. I think uh, he's been well. He's been really good in the time that he's been healthy. He's a really good tackler as well. He plays really physical for the corner spots. Uh, and that's why he's at number five. On to number four. Number four, I'm going to go with A.J. Terrell. Over the past year and a half, he's been the best corner in coverage in the NFL. I just want to see another half a season from him, and then I could bump him up to the top spot. Number four for me, I also had A.J. Terrell. He has been locked down. That's that's mm. as simple as that. So number four, A.J. Terrell on to number yeah. three. We're in the top threes. Number three is where I have Trey White here. Like you said, he's unbelievable. Uh, unfortunately, he got hurt. But, uh, you know, at this point, it's just preference. <laughs> uh, number three for me, I went with Jair Alexander. He was a guy who was hurt for a lot of last year and some battle and injuries. Can he stay healthy, man? But he, when healthy, is really, yeah. really, really good at football and just stopping guys as a shutdown corner. So, so with Jair at number three, now on to number two. Number two, I have Jair Alexander. Like you said, hurt this year, unfortunate but uh, should be just fine coming back. They got a, a great new scheme in Green Bay. Should help them out. Yeah, at number two, I went with J.C. Jackson. Mr. INT is there for a reason. He's had like 13 interceptions over the past two years or whatever it was. Uh, it is a shame, though, he, that he decided to go to the Chargers because mm. it's going to end up costing them. Now, who's number one, Skyler? Yeah, my number one is J.C. Jackson. I went with him because he's been the most consistent out of all these guys over the past uh, about three years, maybe. And in that time, too, he has the lowest passer rating against. It's uh, it's pretty crazy if you uh, look at the advanced stats here. So that's why I went with J.C. Number one for me, I, I thought this one was pretty obvious. That's It's going to be Ramsey. He's the best lockdown corner in the game. He's best tackling corner in the game. He's one of the most physical corners in the game. I think it's it's very astounding to me that you did not put him at the number one spot. Don't ever he, compare Jalen Ramsey to Darrell Revis. All right. I didn't. I'm not saying you did. But he's a lockdown. He's an island. He's an island. He's not an island. He is an island. Not 100% an he's island. an island. If you just look at the guy, he... He's put up good ass stats against top receivers consistently for like Not three, four years playoffs, at this point. So. Who cares? <laughs> I do. That's why he's number five on my list. He does there it over and over again, man. <laughs> Even in the playoffs, he wasn't bad. He, I, I mean, he got slot, by my goodness. Can't have a slot corner that high. What? A <laughs> slot corner? You're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. All right. Jalen Rams is the best corner in football. Uh, don't let Skyler fool you into thinking that he's not. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about Tyreek Hill now. Uh, that was a pretty big move that happened over this past week. Tyreek Hill, I don't have the full trade details, but traded for a first, a second, and like three fourths or whatever it is to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, part maybe creating the Legion of Zoom. Is that is that the nickname that we've been seeing recently uh, for them with Waddle, Mostert's, uh, Gasecki, I guess you can call him fast, whatever. Uh, and now obviously Tyreek Hill signed a big offensive lineman in Toronto Armstead. So where does this Dolphins offense led by Mike McDaniel rank with Tyreek Hill? I think they should at least be in the top 15 here. I had Miami on the playoff bubble before they made some of these signings. So, uh, unfortunately I'm pretty confident in this. Because two is not going to have to think about a lot here. It's going to be very easy for him, I believe. I think I put this offense as like the eighth best offense in the league. I think that's a fair spot for them. Uh, teams that I have ranked higher than them would be the Bills, the Bengals, the Bucks, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Rams, and the Niners. Uh, I think it's, it'd be pretty tough to put the Niners behind the Dolphins. I still think these guys are going to play some ugly defensive games too, though. That's that's why I have a, you know, maybe I wasn't willing to go as far as you. I think also that's probably because they're in your division, too, and you it's tough to believe that they'd be an, a decent team. I don't think that they're – I think they're a fringe playoff squad because their defense is iffy, even though it creates a lot of turnovers, and I think that will help them out. But, I mean, they got a lot of fast guys, and it's tough to game plan for Tyreek Hill – 
it's tough to game plan for Raheem Mostert when those guys can stretch the field instantly and you're gonna have to play off and I know Tua doesn't have the strongest arm but I, I believe in Mike McDaniel long. I believe in I believe in Mike McDaniel 100% so there's also a flip side of this the Chiefs lost their best receiver I mean you could say uh, Travis Kelsey's mm-hmm. really Patrick Mahomes best receiver but as far as the wide receiver position they obviously lost their number one guy when it comes to that so how big of a loss is Tyree Kill for the Chiefs well, Kansas City is going to try to recreate this. Uh, we see already with MBS coming over with the draft picks, they're going to draft the guy. But in the long run, it's going to hurt a lot. You know, like you said, uh, Travis Kelsey, you could argue, was their top receiver. But this is still a guy Mahomes targeted 10 times a game at least. And uh, uh, that's going to hurt a lot. They're going to be in uh, some situations where they're fourth and medium because they can't go to Tyreek and they got to, you know, really think about if they should kick this ball or go for the win, you know? Yeah, that's true. Uh, Tyreek, I think, I don't think it's as big as the loss as what people were making it immediately, but it still is a huge piece. I'm thinking possession by possession. Are losing. Uh, they got their deep threat, obviously, with MVS. But the thing with Tyreek is that, yeah, he was probably the best deep threat in the game, but he wasn't like just a deep threat. And that, that's what's crazy about it is that he was a great, good possession receiver. He's good after the catch, all all these big things. And you had MVS in there and he didn't have the ability to go ahead and do those things. I think MVS probably has a career year this next year. Mm. And that could even just be 700 yards and four or five touchdowns. Uh, but putting somebody in Tyreek Hill's role is going to be irreplaceable i don't think even if you draft a guy the chances that he turns into a receiver as good as tyree kill is pretty much zero mm-hmm. i don't i don't think there's a guy that has a ceiling as high as tyree kill does so it's a big loss especially immediately because it's going to take time to for mahomes to adjust to not having a guy like tyree kill uh and it could make the Chiefs the worst team in the division. It could. It's possible because of how stacked the division is. I don't really think there's any way that you can – anybody can order the AFC West right now in one to four, and someone could be like, oh, no, that's wrong. Or, yeah, that's obviously right. The, yeah, can so we see any team actually gonna on the be field. The first-place team, any team's going to be a second-place team, any team can be the third-place team, and any team can be last. And they can all still make the playoffs. So there's that. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get to halftime now. And let's start that off with the worst thing that we saw, Skyler. What made you want to cover your eyes? Today, the Pittsburgh Pirates sent down one of their top prospects, O'Neill Cruz, the six foot seven shortstop. They sent him down to AAA. This is supposed to be the year where you figure out who is a part of your team and who is getting traded at the deadline. You know, they've been playing this game for it seems like five years now where they don't even have a set date to when they want to start winning. It's just nothing all over the place. And to not have a guy like O'Neill Cruz on your opening day roster is, uh, is very disturbing to me because we know this guy can play. He's 23 years old. He's ready to go. Why is he not on your roster? Service time manipulation. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yeah. Simple. And that's my spiel. Worst thing. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Worst thing I saw... Uh, was this G League game between the Thunder and the oh, Trailblazers geez. last night? <laughs> Even though it really wasn't a G League game, it was a professional NBA game. Uh, let me just go over these starting lineups and the players that played in this game. First off, with the Thunder, uh, starting at point guard Theo Maladon, uh, starting at shooting guard uh, Aaron Wiggins, brother of Andrew, starting at small forward Vit. Craig C. Solid name there. Starting at power forward, Isaiah Roby. Shout out to him, though. He did have 30 points in that game and led the Thunder to this victory. And at starting at center, Pokushevsky. So an interesting squad Ooh. there. They only use three bench players. That's, I believe, James, Jeremiah Robinson Earl is one of them. J.R.E. Lindy Waters the third. No idea. And Olivier Saar. No idea. Then we get to the Trailblazers roster. Starting at point guard, Brandon Williams. He's actually been pretty good for them recently, but still a guy that just got out of the G League. Starting at shooting guard, CJ Ellaby. Kind of 
not the greatest player. Uh, starting at small forward, Keon Johnson, not carry on, but Keon. Starting at power forward, Elijah Hughes. Yeah, Elijah Hughes averages three, one, and zero uh, in his time in the NBA. And then starting at center, Drew Eubanks, who is on his fourth 10-day contract. <laughs> I didn't know they could give him that many. And then the guys that they use off the bench, uh, probably the most notable player in this game, Ben McLemore. He had 28 points, uh, led the Trailblazers in shooting or uh, in points that game. And led Kansas to the well. Final Four. Yeah. Uh, they ha- used Telgen Blevins, guy I've never even heard of before. Nope. And then also former top, I think he was the sixth pick in the draft. No, fifth pick, Chris Dunn. Right. I'm sure that these guys have not played in a game where they felt this competition level was so even since like college or, or even in the G league when half these guys were playing there. Hmm. But when I look at those rosters, even, I mean, there's no Dame, no Josh Hart, no shy, no Trey man, no Derek favors. It's, it's a pretty, pretty lousy game on both sides. And um, I didn't watch it, but I was looking at the box score and just saying, are you you know my dad did he had the over on all of isaiah uh what's his name robley roby isaiah roby yeah yeah so he got he he was happy about that there we go yeah let's go ahead and get to uh maybe the players that are the closest to that thunder trailblazers (laughs) game let's talk about the final four yeah the final four it's going to be this saturday night starting at three o'clock the first game number one seeded kansas they're favored by four and a half points over number two seeded Villanova. Kansas just took down uh, the boys from Jersey. St. Peter's. Villanova beating Michigan. And then Houston. Should be an interesting one. I, I, uh, I'll i give my, my predictions at the end here after we talk about this next game, which is Duke UNC. Number two seeded Duke. Four-point favorite over the eight-seeded Tar Heels. This should be the best game. Uh, like Kyle talked about earlier, uh, so much history could be Coach K's last game. Uh, you know, it could be Coach K's last game before the championship and his last year. But unfortunately, I what I want to happen, I don't think will happen. I have Kansas and Duke winning pretty easily here. Uh, I I wish it was the other way around, but uh, that's what I see. The, these seem like the two best teams by far in this tournament, and it's unfortunate. But hopefully we got a good championship game. Yeah. Let's talk about a little baseball before we get into or back into where's your head at. Uh, with the MLB moves that we had in this past week, and there, there's just two that I really kind of want to talk Big about. We have outfielder trade. <laughs> we have uh, Chris Archer going to the Twins, signing on a one-year deal there. And then we have... A former Rookie of the Year, a three-time MVP, a 10-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ, six-time Silver Slugger, two-time Gold Glove winner, all-time MLB history leader in ground out in double plays, Albert Pujols returning to the Cardinals, uh, currently sits at 679 career home runs, so he needs 21 this year to get to the 700 club. I don't know if that's possible. I don't think it is. I think he's going to play a little bit of DH half of the year. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. But I think it would be pretty cool (laughs) if he had 21 home runs, especially to do it in in the city that it really all started for him back in St. Louis. Mm. The one biggest thing for me about Pujols is no one really knows how old he is. You know, like he had a really hard decline when he turned like 32, but he actually could have been like 37. You know, no one really knows. So I wonder how old he actually is. I'll just stick with the one that we know right now. And that's okay. 42. All so right. kind of crazy though. Uh, and good for Albert. We, I don't know if you remember, uh, but a few years ago, the angels were playing in St. Louis and he got these crazy, crazy standing ovations every single time he was up to bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now with him returning to St. Louis and this likely being the last year, for the big three that won them a couple World Series with Yadi Molina, Adam Wainwright, and the machine in Albert Pujols. Yeah, man. Also, uh, so the, the trade was uh, Tapia for Gritchick. Did you see that one? 
that did happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. that is a, it, It's a decent move. It's two pretty decent players. Uh, Tapia in Toronto, small park, pretty could be pretty good. Right? Yeah, we'll see. Tapia is not really the biggest power hitter, and their outfield's kind of already taken. But it is what it is. Uh, Gritchick could probably hit some bombs in Colorado, so good for him over there. Uh, but also shitty for him because he's going to be on a shitty team. Uh, let's go ahead and get to who has the best. Uh, this is back in where's your head at now, starting the second half. We're going to talk about this. Who has the best starters? Who has the best bullpen? Who has the best infield? Who has the best outfield? Who has the best total pitching? And who has the best total hitting uh, in all the MLB? Mm-hmm. So let's go ahead and get started with the starters. So I I did two just in case we had the same because I wanted to, you know, I like talking about baseball. If you mm-hmm. choose a team that I also had, I'll just go with the other one if you want to go first. All right. Uh, I went with the Mets. I think this is a pretty clear choice for me. They have two top five starters in the league with DeGrom and Scherzer, and then they got Chris Bassett, and they got Taiwan Walker, and they got a whole bunch of other guys that can compete for that fifth spot. So I went with the Metropolitans. Yeah, Mets were my number two here. I think when healthy is is one of the best one, two, three punches. But I'm going to go with what I think is the best here. Milwaukee, Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, Lauer, Hauser, plus whatever nastiness is going to get called up this year. You know they like to uh, try their guys out in the pen first half of the year, and then they're ready to go, a starter. So uh, I'm going to go with Milwaukee for kind of a a question mark of who uh, a five or six starter could be coming out of the farm. Oh, so another honorable mention could be the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. Blue Jays have Gosman, Manoa, Hinjin, Ryu, Kikuchi, Alec Manoa, all those guys. So pretty good squad over there, too. Let's go ahead and get to bullpen now. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what your starters do if you don't have a good bullpen. Go ahead. Oh, for me, yeah, yeah. first, uh, I went with the Yankees. They have a lot of very good big league arms. Chapman, Loisaga being the two that come to my my mind the easiest. Uh, and they got flamethrowers all throughout their squad. Even if they want to use like a guy like Luis Eel or uh, Debbie Garcia, they can use them in, in the later part of the game if they want to. All right. Uh, I went with the White Sox here. Kelly, Crochet, Graveman, Bummer, Kimbrel, Hendricks. All these guys have – I know you may, uh, you may laugh at Joe Kelly, but all of these guys have pitched in big moments – they should be uh, able to repeat that. Yeah, it's a good squad, 100%. Uh, and might go a little bit out of order here. You want to do total pitching now since we just did yeah, sure. the starters in the bullpen. For total pitching, I went with the Brewers. Uh, they have a very good top three in, in the rotation. It drops off a little bit from there, obviously, because not anything against their four and five starters, but just their one, two, three punch of Peralta, Burns, and Woodruff are so good that it's kind of hard to even compete with those guys. And they got two of the nastiest guys at the back of the bullpen with Devin Williams and Josh Hader. All right. I'm going to go with the Dodgers for total pitching. I just, I, I don't think they're top two for starters or pen, but I think it's one of the, uh, the most depth in a, a pitching, uh, not a rotate. What would you call it? Group here. Uh, and just, just staff. Thank you. That's what I was trying to find. I haven't talked about baseball in a minute. But just absolute filth from top to bottom, you know, which uh, is always important. And White Sox were, were my backup here. Obviously, the pen carries, but they got some vets in the rotation, too. Yeah. Now on to the hitting side of it. Uh, the Dodgers first and I or infield first yeah, with yeah. the Dodgers. So sorry, I mixed up my words there a little bit. First baseman, Freddie Freeman. Second baseman, Max Muncy. Shortstop, Trey Turner. And third baseman, Justin Turner. That's a scary squad. You can even put Mookie Betts in there. He played a little bit of second last year when he was hurt. Uh, he did. That's uh, not a lie. I just, I, uh, whenever, whenever I, I hear Mookie second base, I just think of MLB the show. Like the, it's true. You know what I mean? The Red Sox. That also does drop soon. So I'm, I'm pumped yeah. about that. Uh, but yeah, Dodgers, I think they got, they got the best infield in the league. All right. Since you went with the Dodgers, I will be going with Toronto here. Vladdy Jr., Bo Bichette, Craig Biggio's son, Kevin, <laughs> caught it. <laughs> and Matty Chapman, the hips feel – sorry, uh, forgot about the catcher, Kirk and Jensen should be split in time. But uh, Matt Chapman's hips feeling good. He's going to be back to normal, and these guys are going to just rake this year. 
it's a good squad, 100%. We get to the outfield now, and I went with the Phillies. They got the reigning MVP. They got Nicholas Castellanos, and they got Kyle Schwarber. I know I talked about their defense a bit last week, mm-hmm. but, man, can that squad hit. I assume Bryce is going to be playing center field this year depending on what they want to do. I know Matt Beerling, one of their prospects has been probably going to come up this year, mm. but they, those guys can hit hundred oh, yeah. percent. Oh, so I, I thought you were going to take my one or two. So I had Phillies were my three in case. Mm. It's, so this is tough for me right now. And I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go with the Yankees. All right. Aaron judge, Joey Gallo, Stanton and Hicks swapping DH. Uh, these guys are going to hit so many homers. It doesn't matter who's who's playing what. Um, my backup team here was the Angels, Trout, Otani sometimes, and I, I'll take the risk on the uh, Joe Adele, Jared Walsh, Brandon Marsh again. You know, flipping around first base, corner outfield, um, and for that reason, I went with the Yankees. That's my number one here. Sure. So yeah, total hitting. Goes. I went with the Blue Jays. I think their outfield was very sleeper spot too, with T. Oscar being all star starter. Mm-hmm. I think last year, George Springer, my opinion, when healthy, is one of the best outfielders, one of the best players in all of baseball. And Lourdes Goriel, another underrated outfielder. And then obviously, Ramayel Tapia is in that uh, equation now, too. And then we also look at the infield. Uh, I mean, they got Laddie, Chappy. Biggio, Bichette's, and whoever one of the three catchers that they want to use, mm-hmm. they got a really damn good squad. Yeah. It's really hard for me not to go with the Dodgers lineup here. Uh, one through nine this year is going to absolutely rake. Mm. Uh, and I, I wanted to throw in, because we already talked about the Dodgers, want to throw in an honorable mention here. Boston, they're going to have Story playing second base. They got, you know, Devers and... Uh, and Bogarts and Verdugo, you don't like it? I don't know. I just don't think they're as deep as these other teams. I think they have a good start, but once it gets to seven, eight, nine, I don't, I don't like it compared to these other squads. That's fair. Also, another team that you can put in there is, is the Braves. Braves have a really good mm. deep squad. Obviously, Olsen coming over there now it is a pretty big insertion like to that. Staff. Yeah. Yeah. Then, uh, since we're done with baseball, we're going to talk about ranking our top four teams in each conference for the NBA. So we're getting the trifecta here as far as football, baseball, basketball, no hockey. We did talk about soccer, or Skyler did. Mm-hmm. So we're getting it all, all, all in today. Uh, we're going to start with the Western Conference with the number four team. All right. Number four, I'm going to go with Denver. Uh, they have the MVP in Jokic. He's pretty unguardable. And they're hot right now. Fortunately, I'm going to have to go with them because my honorable mention is Golden State. I went with Denver at number four. Uh, Jokic is amazing. If they get Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back, which I'm not 100% sure if they will, but if they do, they can be a really scary team. But when it comes to it, though, I don't know if they are really about that, even if they do have all their guys back to go ahead and, and challenge a team like the Suns. So... I got them at the number four spot mm-hmm. on a number three. Number three, I'm going to go with Dallas. Obviously, right now, uh, you said they're destroying the Lakers, so they can beat one of the bottom teams in their, their first round here. And uh, Luka's having an awesome year, averaging 30 points. Getting Dinwiddie from, uh, from Washington was huge. They're playing well together. They're playing great defense. And they have the Warriors number this year, so they get the nod. I went with the Dubs at number three. I think – this team has been so bad recently, but when they're healthy and they haven't been healthy all year, it's lining up so that we should be healthy come playoff time. There's no way I, I can't put these guys in the top three spot because they've, they've won. They've done it before. They got championship pedigree on their squad and they got an insertion of youth, youth with probably a future all-star in Jordan Poole. I would so love to see it. I left the Mavericks out of my list though, because their depth I think in the NBA playoffs, teams are really good at taking away your main option. Mm-hmm. And with no Luka, 
sure they can play defense, but really what, what are the Mavs? I know Dinwiddie's been good. I know Brunson's been good. I know they've had other step-up performances from Bertans and Dorian Finney-Smith and Maxi wow. Kleba and all those guys, but they're just not the depth pieces that I would see on the Nuggets, on the Warriors, on the Grizzlies, or on the Suns. So that's why I left them out of the spot. On a number two, I think I know who this is. If you, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's Memphis. Uh, they're killing everybody without John Morant. It's pretty scary to watch. Yeah, I think the Grizzlies are the number two team as well. I really – I don't think I am in the majority when I say this, but I really don't think this team is built well for the postseason, though, when it, when it comes to that stuff. Because I feel like very, we just have no clue yet, right? Yeah, I think they're very, very young, though, and I think when we see teams in the NBA, there's never a team that just comes in and wins it. There's never a team that comes in and just goes to the NBA Finals. I mean, the Suns kind of did that. Dallas. But they also added Chris Paul, and Chris Paul's a mm-hmm. vet, and the Grizzlies didn't add any guy like that. I know they have the John Morant, and he's great. Desmond Bain's great, but I just they don't have they have don't have the experience yet. I think give them two three years, and they can really go ahead and win a championship. But this year is not their year. I don't know if I see them getting past the second round. Okay. On to that number one spot. This one is probably the most obvious ranking, and. and all of the spots, uh, East and West, uh, why the Suns? Yeah, Phoenix has got to be uh, the finals favorite right now. They, uh, it's like you said, you know, depth's important, and they have it. Guys have had to step up this year with injuries, and they've done it perfectly. Uh, they paid the right guys. They let the right guys walk, and they're they're going to the finals this year. The Suns are a very complete squad, hundred percent. They. I think it honestly helped them when Chris Paul went down and even when Devin Booker went into COVID protocols just about a month ago, it helped them because it let these other guys really get bigger roles. Even in some big time games and a lot of close games, they they had to play in these roles that they weren't used to. And we could see that in the playoffs where a guy goes down or the team's doing a really good job at taking away your number one option. uh, And you have to rely on some of these other guys that usually aren't used to that role. I think the Suns players this year showed that they're up to it. So I'm not saying they're, that they're going to win the Western Conference, but they're probably the favorite. Definitely the favorite. Mm-hmm. Now let's get to the Eastern Conference now. Who's the number four squad? All right. I, I got to shout out my honorable mentions here, too, because the East is pretty scattered as well. Um, I have the Celtics here. Would have made my list. They just lost Robert Williams. Uh, I think that's going to be too tough here. And, uh, the Raptors, honorable mention. I feel like they're just a piece away, but they're uh, they're having a great year. So watch out for them next year. But number four, going with the Nets. Uh, I believe they're the seven or eight seed right now. Uh, but Kyrie's going to be able to play every game now. And if they match up against a team like Boston, who doesn't have a big man, to slow down someone like, like Durant or Drummond, who's throwing the peace sign up now, one of the best players in the NBA, you know what I mean? Uh they're still a scary team. Yeah. Uh, number four for me is going to be the Sixers. I think in the, in the games that we've seen against these other squads and that I put in my top four, it's pretty easy for me to tell that this team is not as good as once I what as what I once thought they were when they first got Harden. Uh, defensive side of the ball, they struggle a little bit, and I mean Maxi isn't as consistent as I thought he would be. Tobias Harris has been playing a bit better recently. Recently, but he still is questionable when it comes to certain things. Harden and Embiid are great. I think if, if they find a way to get Embiid into just a spot where he can just continuously get these one-on-one matchups and, and not have help from other defenders, he can really take over a series and take over entire playoffs. I think they have the possibility to win the East, uh, but so many teams do this year, and that's why I have them at the number four spot. Mm-hmm. On to number three. Number three, I'm going to go with the Heat. They're the one seed right now, but they've been struggling recently, which is tough uh, because, like you said, the bench matters a lot. They do have that bench that's pretty good. I just trust these other teams a little bit more. I'll explain what I think about the Heat a bit bit later, Uh, but for my number three spot, I went with the Nets. Uh, The Nets are really, really good. I think 
great duo between Kyrie and KD, obviously. Now with him being able to play every single game, that's going to help him a lot. I don't think they get out of the scenario where they don't have to play a plan. I think they're going to be in that plan regardless. Uh, but if they get to that seven or eight spot and you just have to win one out of two games, I think they'll do completely fine there. Uh, if they get Ben Simmons back too, I'd watch out because that team can be the best team in the Eastern Conference, just like the Nets can or the Celtics can or the Bucks can or any other one of those top teams really can't except for the Bulls because they're phonies. Uh, but mm-hmm. I mean, is Ben Simmons going to play? We don't know. So the un- un- uh, unknowingness that we have right now makes me put them at number three instead of number one. On to number two. All right, number two, I'm going to go with Philly. And this is because, well, I mean, you talked about taking away the best player on a team. I think that either James Harden or Joel Embiid can beat you on, on, on their own. So you have to take both of them away here. I know the defense has been bad, but playoff basketball is, uh, is different. Guys play with new energy, and I think uh, the Sixers should be fine for at least a couple of rounds. Number two for me, I went with the Celtics. This team is very, very, very good. And they've been very, very good recently as well over the past 30, 40 games. I think they've only lost six or seven games when it comes to that. Uh, I know losing the Time Lord, Robert Williams, is going to be tough for them. But hopefully, maybe he can come back in the Eastern Conference Finals whenever it may be. Uh but that team is really, really good. They play amazing defense, the best defense in all the NBA right now. Uh, and they have some big time shot makers in Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. So there's that. Now mm-hmm. let's go ahead and get to number one. Yeah. Number one's Milwaukee for me. Uh, uh, maybe I'm a little boring here with the the same two teams at the top, but I think there's a clear drop off. Uh, I like Milwaukee's defense. They play amazing. They have the best player in the league and Giannis guys like Middleton. Uh, well, everybody, you know, Portis holiday have all taken huge shots in the playoffs before uh, run it back. I put the bucks at one as well. I think there isn't a big drop off. I don't really think there's any drop off between one through four on my list, but this, because of the bucks doing it before, They won last year. I have to put them at number one because they've shown to us that they can do it. Uh, These other teams, the Sixers, we don't know. They've kind of flopped in the playoffs every single time that they've been there. Obviously, it's a different squad. Maxie's better than he was last year, and he's only in his second season. They have Harden this year, and there's no Ben Simmons. The Nets are different because does Ben Simmons play? I mean, I can never count out Katie and Kyrie. They're one of two of the clutchest players in the NBA over the past 10 years. So I think it's pretty tough to put them out of that. The Celtics, they're my, my pick. I think they're such a fun team. And I think there's a legitimate chance that them winning the NBA finals this year, especially if Robert Williams can come back and be all the way healthy and the Bucks, I mean, they just won. So why not? And then I'll talk about the heat and why they're fucking mm-hmm. fakes. They're complete right. fakes. They yeah. are not anywhere close to these top four teams because they don't have a big time shot maker that can consistently do it. And I know Jimmy Butler's great. Tyler Hero. He's not. He's not him. He's just not. I look at these top four teams and they all have that bucket guy that any time in the game, no matter who's on them, who's guarding them, how many people they send are going to go ahead and get them a bucket. You got Giannis. You got Jason Tatum. You have KD and you have James Harden or Embiid, whatever you want to do. You throw Kyrie in that list, throw Jalen Brown on that list. You could even put a guy like Chris Middleton with how good he played later in the playoffs last year. And I look at Miami and sure, they play great defense. They got good contribution, one through seven, one through eight, whatever it may be, but they don't have the guy. They just don't. So Miami is fakes. All right. Wouldn't be shocked if they're out in round one, too, even if they do get the one seed because Damn. of a team Adebayo like the Nets. Who you're forgetting about. <laughs> yeah, but he's not a but. He, he, he's a good, great center, but he's not a guy that's going to go iso ball and go get you a bucket with 35 seconds left in the game. You can post him up. You can see what he does there, but he's not, nothing crazy when it comes to that stuff. So, All right. Give me, give me my four teams over the, the Heat any day, any day. Go ahead and get to the bets, and let's get on out of here. Yes, sir. 
Uh, last week, Skylar had a good week. He went two for two. I went one for two. Uh, my layup I got right, and that was the Celtics over the Jazz on Wednesday. Celtics won by 30 points, uh, and that was before Robert Williams got hurt. Skylar had Miami over Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Very weird Elite Eight matchup or Sweet 16 matchup, whatever it was. Uh, it's just like felt like both of those teams shouldn't have been there, but they were. So <laughs> there's that. And this is the farthest that Miami program has ever gone in March Madness. So good for them. Congratulations. Uh, exactly. That you. Uh, this week, though, I have the Suns over the Warriors on Wednesday. Warriors are down bad right now. No Steph. Should be no problem for the Suns. All right. I'm going to go with Duke. Minus four points against UNC. Duke plays great defense. They have multiple scorers on their team. I know UNC has been pretty good with that Baycott and uh, and Manic. I've been 20 points for us. But Duke has three of those guys with Paolo, Mark Williams, and uh, and AJ Griffin. And I think they're going to put it all together and should be no problem for them against UNC. UNC has four of those guys, though. They have four. They're two guards as well. Got Leaky Black. Leaky Black's one of the best defenders in the country. Caleb Love and whoever their other guard is, I'm blanking on his name right now. It's pretty tough. I'll be rooting for UNC. Stuff. I just don't see it happening. We'll see. I don't know. I think it'll be a good game. I couldn't tell you who's going to win right now, though. Uh, and then we get to the bold predictions. I had the T-Wolves over the Suns on Wednesday last week. That did not happen. The Suns pulled away late and gave me an L on that one. And then Skyler had Duke over Texas Tech. That did happen, obviously. And then Duke went on to beat Arkansas in the Elite Eight, giving them uh, that berth into the Final Four. Mm-hmm. This week, I'm taking another shot with the T-Wolves. They're three-point dogs going into the game against the Raptors tomorrow in Toronto. Uh, and I got belief in the T-Wolves. Uh, from Pat Bev to Cats, I think they can go ahead and get it done. I'm taking another shot in the Warriors here. It worked for me last time I did it. They're playing Utah on Saturday. Utah's on a little losing streak. They're also banged up. Screw it. Let's have a big game from Poole and Clay Thompson and Kaminga and everybody and a terrible game from Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the only take. way. Right? Exactly. Uh, but that's going to do it for episode 81 of the Immaculate Sports Going the Distance podcast. Pretty, pretty simple today. I mean, it's been, it's been a good one. Talked about basketball, talked about baseball, talked about, about football. All. Look out for next Tuesday, though, when we got the full in-depth preview of the MLB season. We're going to be going over where each team's going to rank in the division, award winners, mm-hmm. full playoff predictions probably. Uh, maybe we'll get Brett and Alex in here. Uh, maybe not Alex, but yeah, we'll, we'll try see. to get Brett. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, underrated team, overrated team, whatever it may be. Well, we'll go over it for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Breakout players. Then- and the week after that, we'll probably get into NBA playoff talk. Full preview with that. And MLB and, uh, award winners. Yeah. Well, I did say MLB award winners. The real award winners. Our awards. Oh, of week, rookie that's of the week. Strong. Maybe we get. And then the week after that, yeah. we got draft. So oh. April's going to be a good one, uh, yeah. and I'd watch out for that. Stay tuned for episode eighty-two next Tuesday. We'll see you guys. Next week, go Jets. Go Raiders.